in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Welcome, everybody, to another brand new episode of the Top 10 Show. I am John Roca. And I am Matt Nost, and we are excited to be here of another week of the Top 10 Show, bringing it to you guys. I uh, hope everybody out there is good, staying safe, staying healthy, six feet apart, wearing those masks, doing what you can to get by and not hurt others around you. How are you, John? <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. As we're recording this, brother, we're on the heels of the NFL Draft about to happen already some news breaking here tim tebow trying out as tight end for the jacksonville jaguars how low can you go jags and rumors that aaron Rodgers apparently sold this grundle with the green bay packers that he has told with people within the organization that he does not want to return to the team holy shit this is right before the draft matt nost what do we think about this i had not seen that (laughs) holy shit do they, wow. want, do they want Andy Dalton? Uh, the back. <laughs> um, she's the guy's pretty him and Nick Foles between the two. That's Aaron Rodgers' production right there. So, wow, Jesus Christ. Apparently, this is from ESPN. The Packers are aware of his feelings, concerned about them, and have had team president Mark Murphy, general manager, and head coach fly out on separate trips to meet with Rodgers at various points this offseason. Uh, Wow, Rodgers has not budged, uh, and neither have the Packers. The San Francisco 49ers apparently called the Packers on Wednesday night, and the Rams inquired about acquiring Rodgers in January before they got Stafford. Wow, dude, this is – what do you think? This is such a power play right before the draft, bro. Wow. This, this absolutely affects your draft as a Packer. Well, well they, you've, got, you've got whatever's – who is it, Jordan Love or whatever his name is? Yeah, the guy they drafted last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, still though, dude. <laughs> and then Rogers went out and put up an MVP season. Yeah, Rogers. Um, wow. Now I just want to look at. Okay, who could who could make a trade? Who wants him? What's the draft order tonight? Because I don't know who any of the guys are in college because I don't watch college. Right. So the draft is kind of lost on me as they hype these guys up because I've never really seen them play. So I don't pay attention until they get to camp and you find out, okay, here's who we got. Like I look for positions that we're filling, not for personnel, like individuals, because I don't know right. who the individuals are. Right. Um, I, I know that what Joey Lawrence or whatever the hell his name is, is number one. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence. And then <laughs> Joey, yeah, Lawrence. Joey Lawrence. Oh, oh, oh. Whoa. Uh, and then what Justin Fields, the Patriots, all, all Patriot fans want to get him. Yeah, there, there's certainly there. There's a lot of talk about him coming over to the Patriots, possibly. Yeah. Ooh, that's about my got Cam. So I know about quarterbacks at this point. Uh, I've turned to do that kind of fan. Uh, wow. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm just saying of the young prospects coming in, like those are the names I've heard of. I don't know any of these other people until they actually play a game. I don't know who you are. Wow. Um, that's fair. I, just, I always find that to be incredible because it's like. 
I, I got to know who these guys are before they, because it makes sense. Because uh, you start to look at how, who's drafting them and why, and what makes the most uh, sense for you. You, yeah, think, yeah. you know what I'm saying? You have a little bit of understanding as a team, like what you might be getting with these guys. I'm always fascinated by it because I've met many people like you who don't watch college um, to get an idea of who these players are coming into the pros. It's no. fascinating. No, it, because the NFL is such a tremendous crapshoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. That it's different in other sports. Usually, the most hyped is more often than not well deserving. Whereas in the you know the winning the Heisman Trophy is a kiss of death in the NFL. Oh God, yes, it's that, really rare. Yeah, that, that tells you everything you need to know about how much of a crapshoot the NFL is. Mm-hmm. The best unanimous, not unanimous, but the best player in college, or the best offensive player, I should say. It's very rare when a defender wins. Um, and they usually have mediocre to bad careers. Yeah. So who knows with any of these guys? And it's like a somebody pops off and they went to fucking William and Mary's at quarterback like every five to seven years. And like, who is this dude? It's like, how did everybody miss this? And you're like, I don't know. He just matured later. I mean, it's very rare when you have the Andrew Lux of the world that yeah. had he stayed around. They just, they knew coming in, he's going to yeah. be, basically a borderline all pro every year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oof. Madness. Madness. Yeah. So Aaron Rodgers wants out. Wow. That's so huge. Yes. He's out of the central <laughs> baby. More than likely. Yes. Uh, Damn. This is madness. Apparently this whole thing with Shailene Woodley and he's, you know, he's been hosting jeopardy and all of this is kind of making him think twice about the situation. You can't trade Matt Stafford again, can you? I mean, is there kind of rules where he wouldn't go to L.A.? I just wonder about it. I I wonder what the there's got to be a time like a window that they have to wait or something. Yeah, Um, because they did trade for him as opposed to signing him. Then they'd have to wait for whatever that signing period, I guess, to end. Yeah. And there's a date specifically where you can trade newly signed players. Yeah, but he's not a free agent. I mean, uh, uh, I know. Forcing his way out. Yeah, wow. I'm just saying to get rid of Stafford, I don't know what the rules are governing being able to offload somebody you just traded for. But if he wants to go to LA. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, San Diego's set with their rookie quarterback. Yeah, that kid's good. I mean, the Texans, you could have, if this was, you could have absolutely before all those lawsuits, obviously, you could have made the switch to Deshaun. (laughs) If I'm Rodgers, I'm not forcing my way out to go to the Texans. What if you go to the Patriots, bro? Um. Wow. Coached by Belichick, you're in the separate conference. You've got all those players yeah. they just paid the shit ton of money for. How unfair would that be? Wow. I mean, they went from generational talent to another generational talent. The guy yeah. looks like he still has another three to five years left in him. Yeah. Like pretty solidly. Um, <sighs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, you can make a oh, what about so and so? What about this team? What about that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Russell Wilson may or may not have wanted oh, out of Seattle. What I about know. a little switcheroo there? Yeah, absolutely. Gets him to the West Coast. Yep, a lot of possibilities, man. A lot of possibilities. So interesting, very, very interesting. Well, uh, but this is the top. Uh, this is the top ten show. Um, but you know, we get into a little bit of conversations and stuff like that. So, well, I mean, when a, something that big happens for non-sports fans, yeah, 
you know, this is Harrison Ford in his prime wanted out of the indie franchise. <laughs> it's like they're coming up to do Last Crusade. He's already done two, and he's like, I'm out. And they're like, you got to – we are – the train has left the station. He's like, we got to – we start shooting tonight, pal. We yeah. start shooting tonight. Exactly. He's just like, no. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We, we, whoa, whoa, whoa. We've made magic with you in the past. We can't, we can't oh. stop this now. Um, I think he senses that they they were going to try to transition to Bryce this year. I think he sensed that. And he's like, I'm going to, I'm not fucking sitting here while you try to groom the next guy. And the second I start to have a couple of bad games, you sit me. I'm not dealing with that. That destroys my brand. That affects yeah. my status. And I think a lot of them saw what Tom Brady did rolling into Tampa and leading them to a Super Bowl title. We're like, holy shit, I can do that. So exactly. We can you know affect an NBA like change to the NFL. Yeah. I can force myself into a situation that's better for me overall. It's just whatever the other team has to give up in order to get him. Jesus. Um yeah, I mean, that's my, that is monumentally huge. My Redskins. I mean, my sorry, my Washington football team. I have nothing to give him. Nothing to give them. Nothing. Ugh, Fitzy ain't gonna get the job done. <laughs> no. Oh, I don't know where it goes, man. Because everyone's. Yeah, now maybe, you look at his contract, and then look at the rules as to okay, do they have to trade a dollar for dollar? Right. Or. Can they do draft compensation plus this other and the draft compensation counts for X? Like what's is there a three team trade between the Patriots, the 49ers, and the Packers? Do you know what I'm saying? That could be something. Well, the Niners make sense because they don't want Jimmy G long term. And Rodgers is from there. Plus, they didn't draft him. Mm-hmm. He thought he was going to the Niners and they right. took out Smith. Uh, and then he had to sit in the waiting room for a long time and eventually got taken. It's one of those draft day. Yeah, uh, like oh, he suffered through all this, and suffered is extreme, but that's the way it's framed, right? Uh, it would have been terrible. None of us would have enjoyed that if we were him. But suffering right. seems strong. Uh, <laughs> but to go back to San Fran, it's a good situation, great city, great fan yeah. base. You know, close to L.A. Although it puts him back close to his family, and as far as I know, he does not get along with his family. True. He does not like his family. There's no. a, a lot of rumors about uh, stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. His brother and his dad. I've heard Yeah, a few different stories over the years. I can't recount what exactly, you know, caused the, the bridge to be burned between them, but I know that there's been something. Well, the rumors behind the scenes are obviously that there's been these um, rumors that he's gay and that his parents are uber religious. His family's uber religious, with, which is what causes the friction, but He's always dating these like gorgeous women. So you don't, not that that means that he isn't, but yeah, I, I think that's just some unfounded stuff. Like there's all those accusations about Troy Aikman when he was playing in the NFL as well. So you just kind of throw that on people sometimes, unfortunately, um, but irresponsibly. But yeah, that's been some of the yeah. rumors. But other than that, I don't know any of the other stories that have, would lead you to not speak to your family. You know, nothing seems to kind of click. Uh, yeah, I don't, <clears throat> overall, I don't recall anything specifically overall yeah yeah but yeah this this is huge harrison ford is leaving the indiana jones franchise yeah <laughs> you couldn't be happier you couldn't be happy as a bear special <laughs> yeah i'm trying to think of the equivalent like what was the 
The Remo Williams. You're the Remo Williams to that Indiana <laughs> Jones. That's what you are. You bears are. Well, one yeah, good I mean, season, one good movie. <laughs> yeah. Basically, like I'm Tom Selleck. Over yeah. on the side, been like, let's do this. We want to do this back in the day. Let's go. Uh, round it up. Round it up. <laughs> yeah, we've had a couple couple high watermarks oh. in cinema, but by and large, it's been a valley. Let's do this. Uh, I got my Quigley boots on. Let's make mm-hmm. it happen. <laughs> Let's go. I was trying to think of the um, the Solomon's Mind, like whatever. Was that oh. Alan Quartermain? Yeah, Alan Quartermain. Quartermain. Yeah, Richard Chamberlain played it. Richard yeah. Chamberlain. Yeah. Yeah, the knockoff Indiana Jones to me as a kid. Yeah. Even though it's, it's pre-existing property, it's set upon something else. But to me, they were the same because I didn't know any different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when now we're like, oh, there's a void in the market. Maybe we can take advantage of this. <laughs> King Solomon's Minds. I love it. I love it. <laughs> what a great reference. I, haven't thought I, in I like that movie a lot as a kid. Whether or not it's any good now, I haven't watched it since 1980 something or other. Isn't Sharon Stone the girl and the woman in that, the actress in that? I think she looks like Sharon. There was two of them. Oh, there were two because there were two Quartermain. There were two. There were two Quartermain movies. Oh, was he? Serves. Was he yes. Alan Quartermain in both of them? Yes, he was. Okay, Richard Chamberlain. Once again, this is all based on memory. Something I haven't watched since the nineteen eighty something or other. Right, right. No, no, totally. I'm not going to hold you to it. This is a good conversation to have for those of you who. Yeah, King Solomon's Minds. That was yeah. in eighty five, and that is Sharon Stone. Boom. Yeah. Nice pull. Please let that be a five pointer one day. Um, John Reese Davies as well, Gimli in this thing. Hmm? And is there I, not another? I don't see another one. No. Man, I could have sworn there was two. Huh. Like a much even crappier version. There might have been like another Alan Quartermain movie, but maybe he wasn't Alan Quartermain in the movie. Ah, uh, yeah, that's that's true. Right. Now, Alan Quartermain in the Lost City of Gold. That what was year? the 1986 one. That was the okay. next year. There you go. That's where I'm mixing it up in my head. Oh, no, no. Wait. Oh, wait. There's. Oh, okay. Wait. Hold on. So it's. Wow. Is it. So. Oh, no, there are, I'm sorry. You're right. There was two, brother. You're absolutely right. One in 85, one in 86. I just skipped over it. My bad. Mm-hmm. Alan Quartermain of Lost City of Gold, 1986. Yes, that is absolutely Richard Chamberlain. And Sharon Stone came back for the sequel. <laughs> well, of course she did. And James Earl out. Jones. James Earl Jones is in this one. Of course he is. <laughs> okay. Then that's the that's the one that I like a little more than Okay. The okay. Um wow. I, I gotta see these movies. This is ridiculous. A young, so a young Cassandra Peterson, a young um Elvira before she was Elvira. Interesting. Looks good for his age at that time, Richard Chamberlain. Good looking guy. People forget how good looking that dude was. Yeah, he was he was he was dropping panties man. with thornbirds. He was dropping panties all over the place with thornbirds. Um, I mean that as respectfully as possible. Um, <laughs> so Alan Quartermain, say who was who was wearing the panties? So that, that's true. That's true. I think that's who Sean Connery is, right? In um, in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, Extraordinary so. Gentlemen. yeah. Interesting. The League um, of just boring. Oh yeah, nothing extraordinary about that movie. That's for no, sure. No, it sucks because it's a great premise. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I'm sure the graphic novel is 
you know, great. It is. It is stellar, dude. Stellar. Uh, but yeah, the cinematic, you know, version is surprisingly dull. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, and speaking of esoteric and interesting films. Yes. The subject of our show today is a lot of times that very eccentric character that comes in. Yes. Um, a more angry Stephen Root. That's usually the characters that he plays. Yes, that's a good uh, description for uh, uh, Mr. Paul Giamatti. <laughs> um, but a, a guy that uh, I, I can't think of anybody that I know that doesn't enjoy Paul Giamatti. Yeah, he's a great, uh, great actor in so many things. Uh, played so plays so many great characters and plays good plays evil equally well plays schlubby and guy on top of things equally well mm-hmm. just a stellar stellar actor both on in limited tv series in tv series and on the screen dude he is just an incredible actor and he's worked in so many things matt this was kind of a pseudo tough list or a little bit of a tough list to put together because you're like well how big is he in this film versus the role in another film and and what's the overall film do you like the overall film so there's a lot of conversations building this list i tried to exclude anything where his part is just tiny yeah right and he's got a couple of those but it's amazing Mm -hmm. there's one in particular where he has two scenes i believe but it's a pivotal two scenes to help flesh out how dehumanizing this world was overall. Um, and it's just part of one of the dominoes, but a key domino that you needed to see. And he plays just a despicable human being. Yeah. And it's two scenes and then out. So it's like, I can't, I'm a big fan of that movie, but I can't, I mean, it's two scenes. Mm-hmm. It's not his movie. <laughs> so I, I tried to limit. Yeah. Any and all of those. I think, I think I maybe only have like uh, one, maybe two where the part is kind of small, but even then it's like, you need to be in a number of scenes as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to make consideration. Cause otherwise, yeah, if we want to open up to everything he's ever been in, it's an amazing list. That guy, it's gotta be so great as a director and be like, Oh, you know what? I wonder if Giamatti would do this one tiny part, but he's he'll kill it. And they bring him in and just, he has a day shooting, two day shooting. He's done. Yeah. And he kills it. Just, uh, but yeah, a great filmography. Big fan of Paul Giamatti's work. Absolutely. Me too, man. Um, I remember seeing him years ago and something, I can't remember what it was that I first saw him in. And it's kind of just stuck in my head forever. You know, and you see those, Matt, we've watched enough movies. We know when someone shows up on screen and we're like, oh, that person is someone we need to be watching for. I want to see more from, especially when they're a character actor. You're like, oh man, this is kind of cool to see someone new come in. You know, the last person I did that with was uh, Rami Malek on oh. uh, the Pacific. Yes. And he was on that. And every scene I was he was in, legitimately I thought of, who is this guy? This guy's going to be something, just because he had a presence. Right. right. Um, but yeah, every once and again, you can. You'll see somebody and you're like, that is a star. Yep. Yep. Um. And I can only imagine what it's like in the uh, in the room. Yeah, and he still plays like even nowadays, even with his lead 
role in billions, you'll still see him show up in small parts in movies and whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's just, he's just an actor's actor, man. He just likes to work. And he has, it seems to be, he has no real preconceived notion about himself other than he's a good actor, you know? Yeah. It, it is the manifestation of there are no small parts. Mm-hmm. Great point. Yeah, yeah. He, he is an actor through and through. Um, and that's when, because a lot of times, you know, when actors are held up to be these amazing figures and be like, they fucking play pretend. Now, we enjoy <laughs> how well they play pretend, but they play pretend. Yeah. Um, but to see someone like that where you know to them, this is serious. I'm trying to do the best job I can to bring to life, no matter how small the character, I'm going to give it my all. And that's where it garners the respect for me. And be like, yes, but all of us feel like frauds. You know what I mean? That's when I turn the tables on myself and be like, yes, they pretend, but we all feel like imposters, no matter what you're doing Mm -hmm. uh, at times it happens. Yeah. And he is still giving his 100%. So I respect the living shit out of that. Um, cause it doesn't, even if the movie is terrible, yeah. you know, he's dialed into his scenes. He never fucking phones it in. Um, you know, it's not Wesley Snipes leaving post-it notes on the, for the director on the set of, was it Blade 3? Yeah. Trinity. Yeah. Blade yeah. Three. Or Marlon Brando telling Frank Oz, I don't take direction from puppeteers. <laughs> yeah. Get the fuck out of the room. And he couldn't be in the room while Brando was like, no. So, right. um, uh, so yeah, Giamatti shows up to play. He does. He does. So what inspired this list, Matt? Uh, I think it's from a patron. Am I correct on that? Boss Hog patron? It is. It is from uh, Mr. Lawrence Witt. Um, we decided to do back-to-back Boss Hog uh, topics two weeks in a row because we liked both of them so much. And uh, yeah, he submitted uh, Giamatti and we liked it. And we told him, let's go for it. And we got his list and we'll read that uh, at the very end of the show. And um I'll email you. We'll do shout outs at the end and I'll send those over to you. Okay. Uh, in just a second. Sounds good. Um, all right, John, you want to tell them how the show works? Yeah, sure. Let me tell you how the show works. Every once in a while we get together and we uh, count down our top 10 uh, uh, films uh, based on a certain theme. Today it's Paul Giamatti. Yeah. Uh, Matt does his first three, then I do my next three, or mm-hmm. my first three, then he does the next two, I do my next two, and then we trade a piece through the top five, and then we battle it out through weighted coins and deliberation to see what our final top ten is for today. So, boom, you got me. Go ahead. Uh, all right. So, uh, my ten is Man on the Moon. Oh, that's a punt, son. Okay. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, it's the number eight. I was thinking of something else. Number eight. That's my number eight. Let's do it. Uh, his part is small. It is, but. It's key. It is key. Very key. Well, just Bob Zamuda is a big part of the legacy and the f- myth and fable around Andy Kaufman. Yep. Um, with the Tony Clifton. Yeah, I've seen Tony Clifton perform. Oh, wow. Uh, um. Yeah, he came yep. back. And did a run of shows at the store. So he was there damn near every night. So I saw Tony Clifton several times. Uh, But it's just interesting to think of part of the legacy of Kaufman still lives on through someone like Bob Zamuda. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I put it lower just because at this point, I don't know how often I go back to watch Man on the Moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm not the 
biggest Kaufman fan. So the movie doesn't resonate as much with me as it does with my, my guess is people that grew up with, you know, Kaufman and taxi and all that jazz and had a distinct connection to him. Um, so yeah, man on the moon at number 10 okay. for me. Right. Yeah. I'm on a break as well. I, I loved uh, what he does in the movie, both when he's, cause it, you get to see so many shades of uh, Paul Giamatti in the film. Cause of course he's obviously Andy Kaufman's friend, but he's also Kaufman's like defender. He's a fierce protector of Andy Kaufman. Uh, so he talks about that and uh, you know, him and then him playing Clifton when he gets a chance to play Clifton, which he did really incredible stuff and you can and the, when you watch the documentary about how deep jim carrey went into playing uh andy kaufman you know jumati probably loved that playing off of carrey so deep into the role that he was yeah. andy kaufman both on set and off jimati must love that because you sense a real genuine friendship and chemistry between those guys whereas you know uh danny devito's character is trying to get him to kind of focus on these things that could bring him more money and make him a mainstream star. And his girlfriend, Courtney Love plays is trying to like, you know, get him to open up more and be more clear about what he wants. His friend, Jamadi is uh, Bob Zamuda is just essentially there to have fun with his comedy brother yeah. and put stuff up. So there is no judgment here and he's fiercely protective. And so you see that throughout the film as their friendship develops and, and what have you, when he pops in and does his things, just great stuff by Giamatti, you know, overall. Um. Anyway, so this part is smaller, and the reasons that I gave and you gave it ends up at eight and ten on our list. Yep. All right. Which is nine? At nine is the Illusionist. Uh, okay. Uh, knock yourself out on that one. Um, I watched it again for this show. Uh, okay. Had not seen it since it came out. Okay. He is easily my favorite part of it. Mm-hmm. Um. Ed Norton's a little over the top, and Jessica Biel's character doesn't really isn't given a lot to do. Yeah. Um, so you kind of just follow Giamatti around as he, he tries to do the bidding of his monarch or his monarch's son rather. Um, and then, uh, you know, his interactions with uh, Ed Norton, it's from his perspective that I appreciated the movie and his performance mm-hmm. is really good in it. I think the movie is over as, as a whole is fine. But I think his performance in it is really strong and he is captivating. And every scene is he, you don't want him, you know, as an audience member to come down hard on the magician, but you understand why he's going after Eisenheim, uh, yeah. Norton's character. Yeah. Um, and you like him, even though it feels like maybe you shouldn't at times, but he ultimately redeems himself. Uh, but yeah, he is to me the reason to tune in. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, because this came out at the same time as um, um, oh, the sh- Prestige, the Prestige. I always forget that movie. Yeah, it came out at the same time as, and so you're like, in essence, you almost had to choose, right? You know, am I am I doing Deep Impact or Armageddon? Am I doing Truman or am I doing Capote? Yeah, uh, and uh, you go and 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 you have your own ideas of what you do and, and what follows you into what, what makes you go one way or the other. But uh, I did watch The Illusionist, and I thought it was okay. He's good, certainly. But it's not. I don't know if it's a film that you know kind of makes me want to put it on this list in terms of his performances and the overall film itself, which is why I didn't put it on the list. But I, I I understand your reasoning for sure. Yeah, and I was trying to eschew to larger roles. I didn't want of any of the tiny 
because those could have dominated the list very easily. Yeah. Um, so that's why I was like, ah, I'll give it more of a consideration because he is one of the, you know, the big pieces of this film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So that's my number nine. Uh, my number eight uh, is more than likely a punt sideways. Oh, uh, yeah, that is a punt. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. So then my number 10 is uh, Love and Mercy, the Beach Boys documentary. Oh, or that's a punt. Beach Boys that is a punt. Okay. All okay. Right. So you number- watched that? Yeah, I finally watched it. Yes. Um, my number nine is uh, Shoot 'em Up. Did you ever see Shoot 'em Up? No, I did not. Is that with okay. Clive Owen? Yeah, the one with Clive Owen and Monica Bellucci. All right. This film was an absolute madhouse of an action film. Guns everywhere, bullets everywhere, action sequences everywhere. It's like dripping off the walls in terms of the nuttiness of it with a plot that is as thin as tissue paper. That being said, Paul Giamatti as this cackling, insane villain is the reason to watch this movie. Uh, unless you know, unless you have a horrible crush on Monica Bellucci, then I won't uh, deny you wanting to watch this movie either. But Clive Owen is like kind of, if I can say this, a little boring in the movie. Um, and he's essentially kind of dialing a little bit of what he does in Sin City. So it allows um, Giamatti to really kind of steal every scene he's in, chew up every scene he's in, and have a blast playing this. And in your mind, you're like, how does this short, uh, you know, pudgy guy, doughy guy go toe-to-toe with someone like Clive Owen, but they make it work in the movie and they make it believable in the movie. Uh, okay. And he's a nut, an absolute nut. It's an incredible performance. So that's why it made my list. I had to put it on there. So. Is it the one where it opens with Clive Owen falling out of the building? Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. The madness of it all. So, yeah. yeah. But I had to put it on there. It's such a great performance. And he's, you know, once again, this is kind of like, he plays. He can play the kind of some of the characters, the set kind of characteristics of the same characters. But when he gets to kind of really let loose, that's my favorite mm-hmm. Paul Giamatti. So this one certainly qualifies. Um, and I already said my eight is Man on the Moon. So what's your seven? Uh, my seven is Private Life. Oh, that's my seven. Holy shit! Wow, perfect timing. I, I didn't even know you saw it. That's great stuff. All right, let's talk about. Yeah, it, it was a good movie. Uh, it was on. Either Netflix or Amazon. I don't remember. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I saw it one day and I was like, oh, I like Giamatti. I like Catherine Hahn. Yeah. Um, so I watched it literally for that reason uh, alone. And it's a nice heartfelt, you know, couple as they're getting older and grappling with the lack of success in their life mm-hmm. and wanting for the first time to kind of have a kid. But they've lived somewhat of a bohemian lifestyle. Yes. Up until their age they're at now. And uh, then the family interplay and their niece coming mm-hmm. to stay with and how that plays into, you know, their overall plans later on. Yeah. But uh, it's just a good drama about, you know, a couple and yeah. you go along on their journey and this slice of life for a short chunk of time uh, between the two of them. And mm-hmm. it thought it was solid performances by uh, both of them and really rendered two people that I could identify with and uh, come to empathize. Yeah. Yeah. A thousand percent agree with you, man. I, I I was really surprised, but this is one they gave me to watch, I think, at Collider uh, for uh, Scott Mance's show when he was hosting that show about reviewing movies. And mm-hmm. they got me a link and I got a chance to watch this one. 
at the house. And I absolutely was surprised at how much I enjoyed it, how much I enjoyed her and how much I enjoyed him. Although, you know, both of them have established themselves as great character actors for sure. But seeing them kind of have this real um, chemistry and real um, journey that they're going on as a couple who is trying to have a child and all that comes with it. And it doesn't opt out for the easy answer. It doesn't opt out for the easy scenes. There's actually real humanity explored here. And you as an audience member are challenged to like or dislike both of these people as you go along, depending on their reactions to situations as the film unfolds. And I love that. And I think Giamatti and her are tap dancing uh, as as incredible actors are tap dancing with their talent throughout the movie. So, Yeah. yeah, I love it. Absolutely loved it. And he's so good in this role. Um, and she's stellar. She's stellar in this movie. So if you guys haven't seen it, it's it's a small little film, but it's worth your fucking time. Yeah. Uh, just a great performances as they, it, cause it's, it, you know, it's almost a, just a play mm-hmm. between these two people and then throw yeah. in the niece and it's all these small, intimate little settings inside their apartment or yeah. over at a friend's house or, uh, you know, at family uh, yeah. and whatnot, but it's about the dynamic of the two of them and where they're at in their lives. Yeah. So it's a small, quiet film and they give performances that really match the tone that you're going for in the movie and reflect these individuals' lives. Yeah. And we haven't seen anything from the director since Ta- Tamara Jenkins. She hasn't done anything directing wise since she also directed the savages, which uh, some people have quietly enjoyed as well with Philip Seymour Hoffman and Laura Linney playing this brother and sister dealing with their family. So hmm. she also did slums of Beverly Hills. Okay. Which was uh what's her face? So uh, the woman who did Russian doll, Natasha Leone. Yeah. Natasha Leone is the lead in that. So yeah, but she hasn't done uh, anything directing wise since. So interesting. Um, All right. Where are we going to next? Uh, My six is straight out of Compton. Ooh, where's that on my list? That's a punt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Size of the part. Yeah, I get it. Uh, my number six is uh, Private Parts. That is my number five. <laughs> okay. Small hey, part, but key. <laughs> key, so key. Pig vomit is <laughs> is key. Yes. Uh, I, I love it. After all that, and then he has to buddy up to Howard after the ratings come in. It's it, You want to talk about masterclass acting. Yes. It's so good. Just yeah. you hate him even more at that point. You duplicitous, two-faced, <laughs> conniving. <laughs> oh, it's I mean, it is pitch perfect. Yeah. I think this is the film where I saw him for the first time and I was like, holy shit, who is this guy? Um, and from that point forward became a fan of his. Uh, because it's I mean, you know, if you're gonna cast Howard Stern. In his own movie, you're going to have to surround him with actors that can carry these scenes a little bit better because Howard obviously yeah. is only ever did. I think he only ever did this movie as a lead. So um, seeing, Bye. right? Isn't that right? I think that's I right. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So just kind of like Eminem with 8 Mile. It's basically their story. So, But seeing how uh, Giamatti does that right off the bat, and he's like, WNBC, WNBC. Yeah, I was about to say that too. Yeah. WNBC. <laughs> We've all met someone like that who is very much about the corporate stuff and very willing to, you know, kind of grovel and also belittle at the same time, uh, depending on the situation and where they sense their status is in the moment. Because these people are so desperate to keep their jobs, they don't, they have no pride. 
and they're willing to do anything to keep their jobs. Yeah. And he does such a great job. And you're right from where he's like all angry to where he's like, Hey, so Howard. Hey. Yeah. The, I, that discussion is there walking through and Howard's not there. Yeah. And the ratings come in and be like, people that love him listen for 90 minutes. People that hate him listen for two and a half hours. And they're like, <laughs> what? They're like, and they, but they both give the same response. I want to hear what he says next. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, you know, don't quote me on the, the specific time figure in that, but yeah, it's yeah. roughly equivalent to that. Yeah. Uh, and they instantly the pivot. It is just, it's what you always hear about you know, corporate suits in yeah. Hollywood and whatnot. Cause ultimately they're just making decisions about other people's artistic work. Yeah. So they have to act as though they are, their opinion is right. And it's this ridiculous <laughs> dance of piety. Uh, it's true. Yeah. So, I mean, Giamatti is so excellent in playing a heel. Yeah. That you just hate. It's like King Joffrey on game of Thrones. <laughs> that kid was so good that yeah. universally hated just some of the best acting you're ever going to see for a villain yeah. and the fact that he got out afterwards I think was brilliant um, yeah Alice and Janney in this film too so uh, right yeah. at the beginning of her career 1997 so yeah interesting stuff man I, yeah I, it's basically the Howard Stern show with actors Yep, I remember seeing this in a movie theater. I was such a huge Howard fan. Such a, I, I rarely listen to him now, but I was massive back then. Just listening to him for three yeah, hours, I, man. I knew the name, but I didn't listen to him. Like mm-hmm. I didn't really have any working understanding. But I saw the movie and I was like, "That was good." Yeah, that was surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is crazy. I mean, he's a fucking radio disc jockey. Yeah, that's it. That's and he it. got to that big. That is absolutely, utterly un- incredible. And he doesn't even play music. He's just, you know. Just talking. Yeah. So talking Every, I think everything we see now stems from what Howard did. Everything you see on CNN, Fox News, oh, all these networks that have these talking head pundits who go on for hours and hours. Howard kind of did that first. And people who hate them or people who love them, all of that is there mixed in uh, with, with Howard. You know, because people will watch for whatever reason. Human beings have a thing about watching people they hate. And they just have to, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. Um, all right. So what's your spot? Well, that was my five. Oh, oh, so then my five is a uh, win-win. Uh, that is a punt. Okay. All right. Fine. What's uh, where we up to next? Uh, my four, which is the punt from you earlier, love hmm. and mercy. Ah, wow. Four. Interesting. Well, Talk to me, man. Because it's, you know, once again, he is a big part. Mm-hmm. But if if you put somebody else in that role, I don't think I enjoy that movie near as much. Okay. I like the movie. I, I think it's good overall. My problem is I don't have much of a connection to Brian Wilson. Okay. So, I mean, I like his music and whatnot, sure. but as to the you know cult of personality of Brian Wilson, because he's been such a recluse, I didn't know anything about him, and I wasn't that drawn into it. Whereas the Giamatti character, I found fascinating from the first time I heard this story mm-hmm. and then reading accounts of it and exactly what the guy did to seeing him brought to life and how he willed, you know, Brian Wilson into doing all the things that he did. Yeah. That to me was the, the force, you know, the force majeure performance within this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's why I gravitated towards it because walking out of it, the, I can't remember if he's a psychologist or a psychiatrist, whichever prescribed medication. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I think it's psychiatrists that can prescribe medication. Okay. Yeah. 
that guy is all the more fascinating. And now I want to find out even more because of that performance. And that's why it rates so high. It's a big piece. It brought to life someone that I had no zero working knowledge of, and then made me even more curious as to the individual afterwards. Yeah. Um, So it rates it for, and it's a bigger part. So I'm trying to, uh, to award that on my list. Absolutely. Look, dude, I, I totally get it. And and I just I don't think I overall liked the movie as much as I wanted to like the movie, but he he was fucking stellar. And so much so that I went into a deep dive on YouTube and watched this like interview that that Diane Sawyer did with that guy and Brian Wilson while that guy was still in charge of Brian Wilson, so to speak. And oh, okay. they, it was like a 2020 breakdown, it was like 10 minutes. Uh, interview and they go and do all this research and find out how much he's paying himself this the contract that he had signed because the way it is in the movie i don't know if it uh, I don't, yeah, the way it is the way, sorry the way it was in real life is that uh you know brian wilson's family hired this guy because brian had ballooned up to like 300 pounds or something like that and so that he was there to kind of um, uh, walk him down and he did yeah. it and and diane sawyer asked him he says he asked Brian Wilson, she asked Brian Wilson, does this guy save your life? And he goes, oh, undoubtedly, undoubtedly. Uh, and this dude was like screening his calls and oh. videotaping everyone, videotaping exactly. him. It was madness, dude. When they're at that barbecue and whatnot, and he oh gets my the burger God. handed to him and he starts eating it before. And he chastises him like a dog, like a puppy. Yeah. It's a white jar. Turn. Now he needs to learn this. <laughs> you only think you're hungry. Um, oh, stellar performance from him, dude. Yeah. Absolutely, just powerful stuff. So that's why it lands at number four. All right, I respect it. I respect it. I respect it. Maybe I should uh, do a little more reevaluating. We shall see. Uh, so then, my number four is one of Matt's favorites, American Splendor. Um, that is, wow. yeah, it is. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Sure. It is. Uh, <laughs> okay. So what's your three? My three is the punt from uh, you earlier. Win win. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, yeah, he is the lead of this, but it's a, it's an, I mean, a normal everyday guy come to life, mm-hmm. um, who puts himself in a situation over a little bit of cash and, uh, you know, it's weird. You're going through it and you don't know if he's going to have to make amends. Mm-hmm. And there's that. Cause you like him so much that is kind of nagging in the back of your head of like this, House of Cards has to collapse at some point. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the resolution of it overall, it you walk out of it going, yeah, that was honest, I think, yeah. on some level. For who the, how they set the character up. And he's more than happy to uh, pay the penance mm-hmm. in perpetuity. Because ultimately, that makes him happier to kind of be of service overall. Yeah. Uh, and the bond that he's created with, um, you know, those... T- Two individuals, but primarily the younger boy. Yeah. Uh, and Jeffrey Tambor's good in it, and Bobby oh, Cannavale, yeah. and uh, what's her name from The Office? I don't know the actress's name. Plays his wife. Yeah. 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 And I'm guessing that kid was a wrestler. They, like, they went out and cast, they auditioned wrestlers because, and then used that whoever they like best, who screen tested best for the movie itself, because that kid could actually wrestle. Yeah. Uh, they even threw in like the nice little friendship that he creates uh, with his buddy and how they kind of yeah just naturally build each other up between the two of them. And it's not like it's overt. It's not a save the cat moment where you can see like, oh, this dude is a good dude. It's like it, 
it reminded you of a friend that you had at one point that believed mm-hmm. in you as, as much as you wanted to believe in yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just like he believed in you. So you were just repaying that back in kind. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I just, I think they hit the notes of what the movie needed to be really well. And it's good to see Giamatti in a leading role. Yeah. Agreed. You know, and he plays, you know, cause he has like, he has this desire to do the right thing, but there's also these other pressures on him throughout. So, I mean, to carry that weight into every one of the scenes, he does such a great job with it where it could be a caricature. He actually breathes life into this guy mm-hmm. in such interesting ways when you're watching the movie and the way the relationship develops and the interactions he has yeah, with Amy Ryan, who we're talking about, but also ah. Melanie Linsky, I think, plays the mom of the of the kid. Yeah, the one from right. Two and a Half Men. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, all of then he's the negotiate all of that, you know, and uh his even his interactions with Kanavali are, are interesting throughout the movie as well. So it, yeah, it's just a, a, a one of yeah. those quiet little small ones that you don't expect much from, but then when you watch it, it's one that you won't forget anytime soon. Uh and his performance is a big reason why. Yeah. Yeah, I think interestingly, I guess for me, is the only distraction in it is Cannavale's character is going for kind of situation laughs at certain mm. times. Yeah. And it feels strange. Whereas other times when it it's more organic, it yeah. puts a smile on your face. There's the comedic relief that you need. But other times it's like, why is this dude so jacked to be around high school wrestlers? <laughs> right. I mean, if he's going to be that jacked and it needs to be like Will Ferrell over the top, you can tell it's a joke. Yeah. This seems weirdly like this guy's trying to live out high school fantasy through them but it's so small that it's a nitpick type of thing and i the only reason it sticks out is cannavale is always good yeah i enjoy him and everything that i've seen him in um you know going into boardwalk empire oh yeah i was when they cast him i was like what bobby cannavale holding his own and you see him you're like that dude it's got a presence yep yeah um and the guy who directed it is the guy from the last season of The Wire who plays the... the um, Oh, the reporter? The reporter, yeah. Yeah. The, he's so, I'm like, wow, he's he directs and he acts. It's just, this is a damn good film. I think he writes film. as well. Yeah, it's a damn good little film. Um, Yeah, he, uh, he also did Spotlight. He directed Spotlight, dude. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> so good, good little director, Tom McCarthy. Might be fun to... To explore more of his stuff because I've never seen Station Agent. I've never seen The I Visitor. Seen I've and seen The Visitor. Those, you have? So it's yeah, good. both both those films get some good love. Does uh, he I have ten? S- uh, does he have ten? No, he doesn't have ten. Yeah. Uh the cobbler is another one of his, the Adam Sandler one, which got destroyed by a lot of people. So yeah, I did not see that. I didn't either. Um but yeah, interesting resume. And he's got one coming out called Stillwater with Matt Damon and Abigail Breslin. So well, there you go. The guy works as an Probably actor. Probably have some, some buzz. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, all right. Where are we off to next, man? Is it my three? Uh, so that was my three. Yeah, your three. Right, so the my three is your pun, is a pun from earlier as well. Straight out of Compton. Okay. Straight out of Compton. Um, I don't think his part is as small as you think it is, man. I mean, he's, he's a, a, a symbol of what they're fighting against. And he is the True. key to Easy E kind of betraying these guys and starting the war between these guys. So you know he plays that he plays a the music their manager who is doing nefarious shit on the sides and taking advantage of the fact 
these guys don't know how the music business actually works, that they didn't anticipate being famous overnight uh, and all the money coming in. And he is pretty smarmy and uh, it does such a great job using his natural, you know, ability to convey a character like that and then have it be believable that he could go toe to toe against these guys. And, and, and he realizes quickly realizes that easy E is the one guy he can manipulate the most who actually has like, hardcore street cred so it's a way almost like a shield for himself to have easy on his side so just a really interesting story and the way paul plays at the notes throughout just fantastic work man i guess perhaps i think of his part is so small because to me nwa has been a part of my life for so long yeah the personalities of these you know specifically three individuals are what i'm coming to see yeah that's fair yeah i want to see uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. and mm-hmm. or Ju- O'Shea Jackson and uh, Young Dr. Dre and Easy yeah, E. Yeah. Um. So I'm fascinated by that. But you're right. I mean, he's a wildly pivotal. Uh, he's player the main, in this he's the main antagonist. He's the main yeah. antagonist of the movie. Ironically, Jerry Heller, and he actually came out in real life and was like so angry about the movie. Of course, tried to sue it, went nowhere. Um, but yeah. Without him, you don't. I, you know, I think the movies—you don't have what you need, which is to cheer for these guys uh, as they go as they become famous. True. I guess I just view their struggles that, but that is emblematic of the system as a whole being kind of rigged mm-hmm. against them. Yeah. yeah. So he is just the face of a systemic problem. Yeah, um, that's fair. You're, you're right. He's a big part of the movie. I don't know. It's just in my head. It's like, ah, it's, it's, it's about easy. It's about Dre. It's about, you know, Ice Cube. Well, I think uh, if they hadn't gone into their breakup, then they definitely, to. right? But they had to. And Heller is such an important part of their breakup. You're because, a thousand percent right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just interesting stuff. By the way, I, I totally forgot that Lakeith Stanfield played Snoop in this movie. Totally forgot that he was Snoop Dogg. Wow. So did yeah. I. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, man. That dude is blowing up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's everywhere. Uh, And rightfully so. He's a fucking awesome actor. Yeah, he's he's great. Yeah. Um, But every time you turn around, there's another project announced with him. You're like, dude, you are working like crazy. (laughs) Don't burn the, you know, try not to burn yourself out too quick. Like, take a little time off for yourself. Yeah. Because you want this to be a marathon, not a sprint. It's interesting, man, because all these like O'Shea Jackson Jr. is working consistently now. Corey Hawkins yeah. is about to be in the heights. Uh, there were some issues with Jason Mitchell off camera, so that's I don't know where that's going to lead to. But Aldous Hodge, who plays MC Ren, he's not going to be Hawkman in the new uh, Black Adam movie. So and oh. Alexand- Alexandra Ship, who plays Kim, Alexandra Ship rather, she's been in the uh, X Men movie, so. And then Lakeith Stanfield. So very interesting. A lot of a lot of talent coming out of that cast. Well, I mean, how the case we can made for how often do you get to make a movie that gets that wide a release mm-hmm. with that many young black actors? Yeah, true. True. Uh, and get the promotion and more than likely gonna be seen. Like it's a much rarer event. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Um, all right, so we're off to your two. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, my number two is a Cinderella Man. Yeah, that's my two as well. 
Uh, well, okay, so that other punt from earlier for you is number one. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it really drives home his performance, mm-hmm. how pervasive the Great Depression was. Because mm-hmm. when he shows up to his apartment, when, when you know, Cinderella, Cinderella man himself, Russell Crowe, shows up to Giamatti's apartment mm-hmm. and to see that they're living a lie, they're holding up appearances would probably be the phrase or keeping up appearances. No, it's a, it's Braddock's wife. It's Renee Zellweger who comes over and sits down and oh. has that lunch. Remember with the, yeah, they just sit down like a, wife. basically a folding yeah. table and yeah, folding table. right. Exactly. That's all they can afford. Cause they've sold off everything else, everything else to stay afloat. Yeah. Yeah. And to maintain the illusion that everything is fine. Yeah. In the middle of an economic calamity, uh, the world over. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a hell of a movie. It's crazy to think now that it did piss poor at the box office and wasn't well received. Like that yeah. this wasn't a Rudy or a fucking miracle that everybody yeah. agreed. That's a great movie. That's a great yeah. story. And it's got it's got all the underpinnings of it should have been a hit. Underdog, legit underdog, true yeah. story during the Great Depression that kicks the crap out of Max Bear. It's a yeah. Everything about this has a recipe for huge box office and it just kind of flew under the radar and was yeah. considered just decent. And it like it went from because you're also doing Russell Crowe from Gladiator to A Beautiful, a beautiful Mind, Mind. Yeah. to this. Like it's really one, two, three here. Um, and you're shocked that it didn't do better. And Renee Zellweger, I think, is good in the role that she's playing. And it's very um clear period piece that ron howard spends time in developing mm-hmm. so when you're watching this movie this, this movie is very addictive to me like whenever it's on tv i have to if i don't have time i have to move past it if i'm flipping channels which i still have on the youtube tv i flip the channels or whatever like i'm like i can't watch it because if i start i'll get sucked in it's just such a great uh, period piece that Ron Howard directs here, and it's v- evocative of that time. I love the sepia tone. I love the way he designs the scenes. Mm-hmm. And Russell Crowe is so addictive as that character of James J. Braddock as an underdog. But it's Paul Giamatti as the manager, right? And look, it's tough to step in to play a boxing manager. After uh, Burgess Meredith's Mickey, Like you're really just trying to find a way to be distinctly different and um, – and still be powerful. And I think he does a great job with it because Giamatti is so um, such a junkyard dog for his guy, but also, um, you know, feels a certain love for him that you can tell that radiates. Um, Cause at yeah. the end when he wins, he doesn't like jump all over him. He just kind of looks at him and he's just like, you fucking did it. You know, it's just like, it's so such a great relationship to have throughout the movie, man. Yeah. So it's a, I knew you could. Yeah. Like I always believed in you type of look and looking back. It's, it's, there's a a camaraderie and a friendship there uh, between the two of them. Yeah. And it's such, I mean, it's a movie that transcends the genre of sports. Yes. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Cause it's about more than just sports. Yeah. The sports is just the vehicle by which we show the resolve of the human spirit to triumph over adversity. Absolutely. Based on a true story. (laughs) That's what makes it good. Otherwise, it's just like, oh, yeah, well, you can fictionalize 
will I care about the characters? That comes down to you bringing them to life. Whereas, you know, that's this is somewhat already built in. And now you need to, you know, bring these individuals to life. But anyway, neither here nor there. But uh, if you don't like sports movies, this is independent of that. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, there are definitely agreed. sports movies where you got to like the sport to enjoy this movie. Yeah, um, this is not one of them. It's true. Um, all right, cool. what's your number one, man? My one is the pun, American Splendor. Yeah. Anything more you want to add to this? You've talked about it uh, before. Uh, any, any new approach? Yeah, but I mean, how often does American Splendor come up? Yeah, please. Knock yourself out, man. Uh, it's about a comic book creator, artist, graphic artist, whatever you'd like to call him, Harvey Picar, mm-hmm. who um, just started making comics and getting them out kind of small batch almost like artisanal artworks on some level. And uh, he built up a following slowly but surely over time. And it was just a reflection of what he was going through on through his day-to-day life, as opposed to the fantasy that most comic books provide. This was escapism via relatability. And I mean, he would amp things up for comedic effect or for to raise the stakes in certain situations. But by and large, it was just kind of a discussion of his day, at least according to the movie. Mm-hmm. I've never read the comic book. Um, right. But, uh, you know, my introduction to Judah Friedlander, I did not know him before. Oh, this. yeah. Right. Yeah. And just amazing. It's like, this is your first gig? Um, yeah. And to find fascinating a guy that I, I briefly seen on Letterman a couple times. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. I, I didn't know. And I was lucky enough to stay up that late. And I happened to see Harvey Picar. Uh, but I was a young kid, just excited that I got to stay up late. I didn't really care who was on. So uh, I wasn't staying up for, you know, Harvey. Um, but I do remember having seen him. And then when the movie was coming out, the build up to and the refresher of like, oh, yeah, there's a dude I haven't thought about. In so long that I completely forgot he existed. It's nothing against him. It's just it's a different time in pop culture, and you had to know about it uh, as opposed to Google and yeah. search algorithms directing you towards things and whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was excited when it was coming out, and plus I, I like you and many others, had enjoyed Giamatti and so many different things. And to see him get a large media a leading yeah. role, yeah, I was excited for. Uh, so yeah, and uh, I will still. I'm happy to pop on American Splendor right now. I have zero problem. I can start it at the beginning, middle, or end, and I'm watching. And uh, I wish he would get more leading roles because the guy's a chameleon. He can play so many different things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're one of the reasons uh, I watched this thing finally once and for all. For the for, obviously because we we're doing the list too, but also because you know, this is what you've talked about numerous times. I've resisted this because why a nerdy dude? But when I watched it, I was just transfixed by him, man. And the mm-hmm. frustration. Like, that's the thing that comes through. And, of course, this is Harvey Picar's idea of what, how his life went and what have you. But it's the frustration that he's going through. It's the, the, the his trying to navigate what the hell to do next. And who doesn't have that universal feeling uh, in your life? You know, like most people don't have it all planned out. Most people don't have it all squared away and know at 10 years old what they want to do. Most people are are driven by something to, you know, to get to a certain level or to do something they really want to do. And so you get that frustration that he's feeling before it finally opens up for him. And when it does open up for him, how what that leads to, but also 
his negotiating his own life as he's trying to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And it's a great mix of the animated and the and the live action stuff for sure. And and it's yeah. Giamatti's charm. It's Giamatti's charm and talent that makes you care about this guy. And of course, Hope Davis as well, who's great as his wife. Um, all over the place. So uh, yeah, I, I'm glad I watched it. To be, I'm a thousand percent glad I watched it because it's actually a really cool film and uh, yeah, not what it's you a think unique it is. idea. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a great performance. Yeah, and he did damage to his vocal cords to pull that off. Wow, I didn't know that. Holy crap! To speak, it's kind of like a Christian Bale slipping a disc for American Hustle. Right, right. Because he put on so much weight and he affected a posture. It's like a Giamatti committed to and hurt himself. I don't know yeah. if it was permanent, but I know for a decent amount of time afterwards, like his vocal cords, there were nodes all over it and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. Just because he had to change completely, alter. And then, but you need to. That's part of who Harvey Picar was. Yeah. It's part of his exactly. identity. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the commitment. Yeah, um, all right. So you're number one. Yeah. Obviously, sideways for me, it's number one. Uh, this is this is his greatest performance. I mean, this is to me, you get, uh, uh, in my opinion, Paul Giamatti in a nutshell as a talent. You know, from the beginning, he is this guy who's kind of brought along on this journey with Thomas Hayden Church's character. He's getting over a divorce. He's not sure where he belongs. He's obsessed and incredibly intelligent about wine. And this is like the one thing that he is a thousand percent confident about that he can do and that he knows hmm. and, and and he loves exploring it right but then of course his friend is an absolute maniac thomas hayden church and all the madness that he gets involved in and at first you kind of hate thomas hayden church but as you go along it's exactly what this guy needed this madness and the nuttiness of this trip is what he needed to kind of resolve and get past the loss of his ex-wife except her moving on him being willing to move on as well with possibly Virginia Madsen. Mm-hmm. And then everything that goes on with their uh, um, interactions and then how he develops and grows as he goes through the things he goes through as well. And those quiet conversations with Virginia Madsen are just brilliant, dude. Just you talk about him being a lead man. Those are those kinds of moments that you can see. Like this dude is just so incredibly talented leader ensemble He's always dialed into the importance of the scene and what the beats are supposed to be through the scene. He plays it so well. And when he flips out and loses it in that one moment, that's just like fucking guzzling the thing out of the barrel. It's just genius how well he plays that and, and builds to it throughout. So yeah, it's my favorite performance of his bar none. It's a movie I go back to and watch and enjoy him in uh, overall. So yeah, that's what's my number one. I remember when it came out, Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen it once all the way through, and then I've seen clips of it over the years. I mean, yeah. it came out what two thousand four, five, yeah, something like that. But the hype leading up to it was this small picture has a chance to win the Oscar. Yeah. So going into it with those kind of expectations, I walked out going, oh, "I liked it. I don't think it's best picture." <laughs> And that's, you know, you go in, well, at least I do sometimes during that that time of year with yeah. expectation levels. Sure. So it, it does affect the way you view some movies. And other times you're like, that was everything I was hoping it was be, it would be. Um, so I kind of wish I had discovered Sideways on my own. The same thing happened with Lost in Translation. I think that's fair. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This thing, oh, wow, it's got Oscar written all over it. And I saw it and I was like, it was good. Don't get me wrong. It was good. It was good. Is it? I mean, so then from then on, that's my, 
I'm stacking it up against the other movies that year as opposed to just looking at it independently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so perhaps I need to sit down and just have a singular watch through. Cause it also gave us um, church again after he had been gone. And I, yeah, I liked wings when it was on wings was great, man. I watched it when it got to syndication on USA, but I watched it pretty religiously when it got its first syndication run on USA. Yeah. Um, and Lowell was easily my favorite part of that. Well, Tony Shalhoub was pretty great too. Oh my God. Tony Shalhoub was great on that. Yeah. Between the two, but there was a bunch of great small little parts, whatnot. Um, yeah. I like the four leads as yes. it were, but I think the character, the characters around them were much more fun and entertaining to me, at, yeah. you know, but they have smaller parts and they could easily pop off. Uh, but yeah, the reason he got to be Sandman in Spider-Man 3 was yeah. this movie. Yeah. The reason like he had a resurgence within his career was because of this movie. Yep. And then uh really helped solidify uh you know, a bunch of different actors and actresses within the movie. Um so yeah, Absolutely. perhaps I should go back and watch it again. It's been a long time. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, there's our separate lists for the top 10 Paul Giamatti movies. We're going to put these things together now and count down our final list. And I got the bongos right here. So I'm ready to go. I forgot to reach out to Jay Goldeneyes. I got to reach out to him and uh, tell him about the, you know, and figure out what bongos we're going to get next. So Jay Goldeneyes, I'm sorry. I will reach out to you. He's got a lot on my mind. Um. Well, I would say Cinderella Man is probably number one. Since it's our both our number twos, yeah. yeah. All right, I accept it. I'm just rosining up the bow there. Mm. Um, American Splendor is what four for you? Five? Four for me, yeah, yeah. Four. All right, so I've got that one. I don't think. Otherwise, yeah, I think that's the next highest. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Sideways, I don't have till eight. Yeah. Saw you rig the list. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, where'd you have win-win? I have it at five. Uh, so that's three, five. Otherwise, what do you have straight out of comps? Parts. What do you have straight out Six. of Compton? Six. Okay. So, yeah. Because my that's my three, is straight out of Compton. So win-win straight out of Compton. Yep. And then sideways. Okay. Um. Private parts is my probably sixth. private parts. Yeah, that's my next thing. Five, and then we both have private life. Uh, we do, but love and mercy might be higher between the two of us. Oh, okay, yeah, because it's my ten, but it's your. Uh, that's my four. Yeah, definitely. And then private life. Okay. Uh, man on the moon. We both have. Okay. And then, what's your highest left? If we got Sideways, Cinderella, Mastrata, Compton, American Splendor, Win-Win, Private Parts, Private Light, Man on the Moon, then number nine is my next highest. Shoot him up. Uh, what was it? Shoot him up. Uh, I've got The Illusionist. Oh, boy. Here we go. All right. I got here we right go. Here. I'm going to have to buy some stack coins. I'm about to buy some. I've got coins. I would hope you have coins. <laughs> should put them out on the desk. You can go ahead. Do you want to go grab a coin? No, no, no. I trust you. Sounds as though you don't, I or you pin. just want a plausible excuse. <laughs> All right, going heads. Um, well, it's the Superman oh. Batman coin. Oh, okay. Which, where did it go? It got Superman. Oh. Um, All right. Was shoot him up? Yeah, shoot him up. 
All right, there we go. All right, let's do this thing. The top 10 Paul Giamatti movies, yeah. At number 10. Shoot him up. At number nine. Man on the moon. At number eight. Private life. At number seven. Love and mercy. At number six. Private parts. At number five. Sideways. At number four. Straight out of Compton. At number three. Win-win. At number two. American Splendor. And our number one Paul Giamatti movie is... Is Cinderella Man. Hey-o. Um. All right. And then I've got the list here from Mr. Lawrence Witt. Yeah, what's Witt got? Um, and he says... Um, Thanks for choosing my topic. Stay safe out there. All right. I see him meaning Paul as one of the great character actors would be great to hear your take on his top 10. Um, he put his performances and not films as, as they have an impact with just the small screen time. Okay. So, uh, 10 saving Mr. Banks. Oh yeah. Really good. Uh, uh, part that he plays in that for sure. Uh, nine, the Ides of March. Oh yeah. That's a good thing. Eight man on the moon. Okay. Seven straight out of Compton. Six, Cinderella Man. Five, 12 Years a Slave. Mm. Four, The Last Station. Three, Private Parts. Two, Sideways. Number one, American Splendor. Wow, there you go. All right. Yeah, 12 Years is the one where he has, I think, two scenes. Yeah, it's a really small part. Yeah, and um, but I like the idea. But in Ides of March, that's more... Philip Seymour Hoffman's film than it is his film. So if you could, you know, in terms of yeah. the character actors in that film. So, um, but I respect it being on your list. Good choices all around. Definitely, bro. Um, and I've never seen right. too big to fail. Hmm. Uh, that's an once. HBO movie. Oh, is it? Okay. I think so. I might have to just, so just going down one. his filmography and it's like, Oh yeah, too big to fail. I, wa- I saw margin call. I saw the big short. I just yeah. didn't see too big to fail. TV movie, too big to fail. Yeah. So okay. your list is disqualified. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Uh, directed by Curtis Hansen. Interesting. Wow. Guy did the LA Confidential before he passed. Um, all right. So we got our shout outs for the month of April, Matt. Shall we? Yes, get we in- do. Shall we get into it? Uh, all right. Uh, this is a perk that we do for our patrons at the end of each month. It's if you support the show at $5 and above over at patreon.com forward slash the top 10 with the number 10. Um, we give you a shout out at the end of the month as yeah. a way of saying thanks. And uh, the first one has no last name. So Robbie or Roby, uh, thanks for being a patron. Thank you. Pele Cole. Slade Smith. Eric Taylor. Deepak Mauer. Uh, David Steven. Christine Biernet. Uh Andrew Robinson. Francisco Ramirez. Michael Bauer. Colton Thompson. Henrik Winterlind. Tom Daniel Williams. Phil Knuckles. Ryan Latonin. Ray Rush. Colson Kuliopoulos. Sub Colson. Kelly Onken. Justin Kelly. Lachlan Skinner. Benny Haste. Charles Kim. Joseph Curran. Fred Castillo. Edward Wilshire. J. Scotty St. Clair. Charles J. Clark. Zachariah Kaufman. Uh, Jeff Dickin. Sean Labua. Francisco J. Torres. Connor Teal. Michael D. Dyke. Roberto Francesco Surase. Tim Reimert. Dominic Greaves. Eric Bruin. Matt Simmons. 
Kyle Beckworth, Jeff Kelly, Jeremy Bowers, James Petty. I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Billy Williams, uh, Christopher Brockman, Blake Gant, Haley Morton, Cameron Chapman, Alex Russell, Bobby Michael, Daniel McCarty, Paul Cree, uh, Drew Burkhart, Stacy Flores, Luke Allison, Mark Fawcett, Kristen Kurtz, Bobby Carney, Ew, Gareth Weldon, Ian Horner, Timothy R. Williams, Chris Lemke. Nick Baldwin in Love with the Movies podcast. Johanna Linaverta. Uh, JIC317. DJ Red Hot Cox. Uh, Kyle Spawn. Ahmad Ali. Darren Bush. Angela Dashner. Louis Berrigan. Josh Lawrence. Chelsea Lewis. Adelardo Fuente. Reagan Lovig. Rodrigo Valverde III. Manuel Rivera. Lawrence Witt. Andre Constantinescu. Steve Schluckabier. Ah, Catherine Samuels. Houston Bodily. Roque Orellana. Maurice Robinson. Alan Snuffleupagus Bennett. Marcus Davenport. Brandon Caridi. Robbie Prasad. Joe Farrelly. Charlie McKenna. Mark Menchaca. Josh Mabry. Hey, Matthew Jansen. Ben Cartwright. John Douse. Juan Reyes. Josh Sachs. George Menchaca. Dale Varley. Cody Markham. Phil Neglia. Chris Consiglio. Wayne Murphy. Ashley Prowse. Johannes Schmidt. Sam Fernando. Christian Lundgaard Kjoller. Ian Brick Beltran Lopez. Evan Zoller. Thorsten Amuller. Eric Bloor. Zach Butts. Jason, oh, sorry, Jacob Pullen. Philip Lane. Kevin Fuss. Jen Kemp. Ryan McKenna. Andy Tan. Brian Akins. Mike Shea. Mike. Alexander Marzonia. Garth Wizenant. Deborah Torres. Mike Barrington. Ed Buskirk. Jeff Saliba. Noel Kelleher. Jim Payne. David Mitchell Baker. Andy Ortiz. John Keefe. Nathan Williams. Uh, the great Kristen Smith. Matthew Lee Cravens. Marcel Behrman. James Trapani. Drew Enns. Dan Nye. Seth Shearer. Andrew Hayes. Andrew Marker. Chris Jones. Luke Larson. Bobo Robert Haley. Hey, Joey Anthony. Christos Alexakos. And Anthony Castlenova. All right. Our thank you to all our patrons that support yeah. us over at patreon.com forward slash the top 10. And thank you um, for waiting a week for us. Yeah. Uh, we were a week behind on this, but uh, you know we always get to it. And we uh, thank you for your patience on that front. And to Lawrence went for uh, suggesting today's topic. Yeah, definitely. A lot of fun topic. You know, we don't get to dive into too many character actors. And of course, Paul's played leads as well. But, you know, he's, that's where he's made his bread and butter on the character actor side of things. So it's great to revisit some of these movies and talk about them. So thank you very much. Um, and I think that's it for this week's show. If you want to go yep. over to uh, Instagram.com forward slash the top 10 podcast with the number 10, it's the same thing over at YouTube.com forward slash the top 10 podcast or on Twitter at top 10 show. Hit us up on any of those. And uh, you can follow me anywhere at Matt Nost. Uh, if you're inclined, go check out Settle the Score or uh, Dropping Dimes for some NBA action. And that is it for me this week. There you go. And please remember our Patreon, as we said. Also, tell other people about the show. You know, it's been a bit. We've been doing the show for five, six years now. But we'd love to have you bring in new people into the show, new ways to discover the show. Please bring them 
men. Talk to them. Share the gospel of the top 10. Share the Patreon of the top 10. Get other people to get involved in this, supporting it for as little as a coffee. You can support us and get to send in the, your questions, comments, and thoughts on Topic Thunder. Uh, for, don't forget, for those of you who are $10 and above, you get to mm-hmm. watch us live do our show every other Thursday uh, on our well, YouTube channel. What? The second and fourth Thursday of every month. Sh- sh- okay, the second and fourth Thursdays of every just, month. Yeah. In case there's an extra week, I guess. All right, second. No, and it fourth happens because Thurs- we're not doing one for another. It's not next week, but the week after because that's oh, good point. The second Thursday of the. That's why we set it up. We'll yep. do it then. You can rely on us. Second and fourth Thursday of every month. That's a great point. Sorry about that. Second and fourth Thursday of every month, we go live at 12 p.m. PT on our YouTube channel. So you get to see us do the show live. You get to have your comments probably possibly brought in on screen for us to comment on. And you get to know the topic ahead of time before anybody gets it on Tuesday uh, morning, uh, Tuesday at midnight. So there you go. Or Monday at midnight, I guess. So there you go. So those are those perks you get. Mm-hmm. It's being uh, pay, a part of the Patreon as well. So thank you all so much. Uh, you can follow me at the Roca says on Twitter and on Instagram. Please head on over to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash John Roca says. See all the stuff we got going on. Of course, uh, the Geek Buddies and also the Cinephiles as well. Um, and we're out of here. Take care of yourselves. Be well. Hope you're getting vaccinated. Wear that uh, mask and practice your social distance. And we'll talk to you next time on the brand new episode of the Top 10 Show. Ooh.